Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by Matt Sells, the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. We are streaming through the Better Sports Network. Matt, how you doing? We have a big race, the final race of the regular season at Daytona, the World Center of Racing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm reveling in the fact that NASCAR fans want longer than two-hour races while the same group of people that watches F1 can't stand if it goes past two hours. Like, there's a there's a weird disconnect happening here. Where I really, I thought it was refreshing to get a a, a NASCAR race under two hours. Do I think that that's gonna be how NASCAR goes with all the races? No, it's impossible no. for the Daytona 500 to be under two hours. The Coke 600, it's it's a miracle if that thing's under like three and a half hours. Like I like long races, but at this, like Sunday's race with if there's if there's a style of race that I want to be under two hours, it's probably road courses, especially if you're going to take away stage breaks. Correct. Like I like how we all decided that we didn't like stage breaks, and then they took them away, <laughs> and now we all want cautions. <laughs> we all want longer races. Like. Can we just revel in the fact that there was more than three hours of continuous green flag racing between Indy Road and Watkins Glen? Yeah. Like they had that they had that stat up at one point during Sunday's race. And I was like, that's that's remarkably impressive because up until Chase Elliott's caution for running out of gas, because Alan Gustafson can't do math, um there hadn't been a caution since lap two of the Indy Road course. <laughs> which is impressive like I hard to find a streak like that in recent NASCAR so I enjoyed it we all liked the racing like the argument is you like racing because you want to see the drivers settle it on the track right and now we're complaining that we're letting drivers settle it on the track I I I don't understand yeah and I still like you know tuning in for like really long right like three to three and a half hour races but it was it was a little refreshing just to be able to clock that one at under two hours, and you know we'll move forward because we won't see another race under two hours this year. Uh, <clears throat> doubt we even get it at the Roval. Uh, but we turn our attention to. I Daytona. mean, to be fair, the last fastest race in NASCAR, the shortest time, was yeah. also Watkins Glen, and I don't think that was under two hours. I think it was close. Yeah, 
but I don't think it was under two hours. So it doesn't happen. Like Watkins Glen was like, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago when that happened. So it doesn't happen very often. But uh, I thought that NASCAR was going to pull all the strings that they could behind the scenes to potentially get Chase Elliott to win. That obviously apparently all they did was pull the plug <laughs> on his gas tank. Right? Yeah. Uh, but he, no different than last week, he needs a win. Correct. Uh, as does his teammate Alex Bowman. As do a few other drivers, uh, likely AJ Allmendinger, probably Ty Gibbs, uh, unless Bubba has an absolutely terrible day, which we don't expect to happen at a super speedway. Um, who do? If there were to be a new winner to punch your ticket to the playoffs, who do you think it would be? Well, that's a pretty good question. So they did change the rule this year that you don't have to be top 30 in points yeah. to make it. So there are technically 17 drivers that are still alive. For All you have to do is be full-time in the Cup Series. So you can't mm-hmm. be like a one-off guy and make it. So like Shane, SVG... Didn't make the playoffs because he's not a full-time guy. So the win in Chicago is great, but it doesn't get him into the playoffs. So if it's going to be a a new winner, I kind of think it might be Bubba, to be be honest. Like, he's so good at these races. He's so good at them, and he needs to be – he needs to have a good day to assure that he gets a points haul that can withstand – um, you know, other people having good days, or God forbid, somebody coming from way in the back to to nab a win. Do you think Denny Hamlin, if he was in position and like, if he if he lined up behind Bubba, do you think he just pushes him to a win, and Denny doesn't try to go for the win himself? I would bet you that Denny would push Bubba to the win. I kind of agree because weren't we in a similar boat last year with Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon and Reddick essentially pushed Dillon to a win? Yeah, because he was already assured of a playoff spot and they needed the extra seat. Now, here's the interesting part about Bubba. If Bubba makes the playoffs, he's in as a driver, but not not in the owner playoffs. Whereas last year, he wasn't in as a driver, but they switched him cars because the car – Kurt Busch's car made the owner playoff, mm-hmm. not, but he wasn't in as the driver, so it's kind of weird that it's that it's flipped. But yeah, I would see, I could see, basically anybody in the Toyota camp helping Bubba at this point <clears throat> nab a win because it's good for Toyota to get more cars in there. Despite the rumors, what do you think of the rumors of twenty three eleven going to Ford? Yeah, I don't really know what to make of that. Um, is that would Toyota like? Because is this Denny's last year, and like, is he just going to go drive for his own team? And you know, so that's what I don't. That's what manufacturer I manufacturer be damned. He's consistently said he wants to be renewed with JGR, yet he does not have a deal in place with JGR, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. So. Does that go hand in hand with the rumors that SHR is selling two, two of their um, charters? <laughs> charters. Uh, I don't know what. Like, does that mean Josh Barry's guaranteed one, and then it's a fist fight between Priest and Briscoe because Almirola is retiring? <clears throat> is he really? Is that official? I don't. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I guess the writing's on the wall. Yeah, I mean, 
The only one who's assured of a ride next year at SHR, I would say, is Josh Berry. Yeah. It so is like, kind of crazy that we're seeing that team possibly dwindle from a four-car team to two. Like, I get the argument that you can make it a winning organization faster in two cars than four cars because it's less financial. Just consolidate your resources. Right. It's the same thing that JTG Doherty did with Stenhouse was we're just going to consolidate down and you're going to be a one-car team and Mm -hmm. it's paid dividends. It's the same reason that Roush kept going down to smaller and smaller was to consolidate resources and get better. But I don't know. Could it possibly be that Denny winds up in a Ford driving for his own team because he buys an SHR? Two former Gibbs drivers swap charters and manufacturers, <laughs> Tony Stewart and Denny Hamlin, to go get the Ford? I don't know. Well, do you think that there's anyone in the Toyota camp that would help Ty Gibbs get to a win? I mean, I would imagine that his teammates would. Like, the other three guys, or the other two guys, I guess, Bellinger. at JGR probably would. Right? Like, I... I don't. I mean, if Denny is caught between pushing Bubba and Ty, I don't Denny, know. Denny has said on his podcast, I think that his number one priority this week is getting Bubba a win if he's in position, or at least at the very least, just getting Bubba into the playoffs. Right. So if the choice is between Bubba or Ty, he's going to push Bubba. Yeah. Because he's way more financially tied to that than helping his boss's grandson. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's the situation. <laughs> Um, it is close. There's 20. There's how many points between 32 points between Bubba and Ty right now, according to NASCAR's standings. So, pretty safe bet that Bubba's making it. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Harvick, I think all he has to do is start this race and he's locked in. I'm not sure why it's not showing that he's. I thought he was locked in already. I mean, I guess he, he has to be, right? He and his last are locked in because they're 135 points above the cut line right now. So there's no way they lose enough to get bumped out. The problem for Bubba is that if somebody below the cut line wins, he's the one that's cut out. So yeah, that makes that makes things very interesting. And I mean, we've seen we've seen Hendrick drivers come here and need a win and get it right. William Byron pulled it off a couple of years ago. Austin Dillon pulled it off last year. So we've seen guys do it. Is it possible that Alex Bowman pulls that off this year? Anything's possible. It's Daytona. But I will say he's probably a better bet just to win the pole or start on the front row. Probably. Because <laughs> he's been on the front row, what, six straight? Him and Larson have just historically qualified very well. At this track. And then they go backwards. And that's why we don't play Kyle Larson at Daytona. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but yes. <laughs> uh, but we are 10 minutes in. Um, I guess we can just kind of get to a DFS breakdown. We are recording this Thursday night. This is before they don't have practicing this week, but they right. will have qualifying Friday afternoon and kind of early evening uh, before the Xfinity Series race Friday night. Yeah, um, it's, a weird, it's a weird schedule this week. Very weird, but we also, for Super Speedway races and Atlanta now, we just kind of record midweek. We just give you a a preview. Um, I was really excited about this race. It's the last regular season race. I was was ready to actually 
throw down and put 150 lineups into the 50 cent minimax. I have a fly right in front of me. It's so damn annoying. I apologize. <laughs> um, but I looked at the payout structure for the minimax, and it's awful. Uh, pretty much all the tournaments on DraftKings this week, the payout structure is trash. So where I was thinking about getting a little different, because normally I only do three lineups for these races, but I was intrigued and I wanted to really max enter something, but like the payout structure is not very inviting, uh, which is a shame. But I'm still going to enjoy the race. I'll probably do one lineup and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, this is the time of year where you got to start being p- very picky about the contest you enter because it's about to get swallowed up by NFL. Yeah. Like it just is. And even for that matter, college football DFS, which is yeah. pretty popular. Um, it's just it's just the way the end of the NASCAR season goes. So as far as the schedule this week, the Xfinity race is Friday evening at Daytona. The playbook's live. What? The playbook's already live. Yeah, the playbook's already up. So if you're listening to this, you've already missed a chance to get jumped on your research because it's been out for a couple hours. Nice yeah, but I mean, we still got to wait for the starting order and it'll get Well, I mean, a little, I guess. <laughs> May as well close eyes and throw darts at a dartboard, man. It's like especially Xfinity. Yeah, because those guys, man, they turn every track into Daytona. It doesn't even have to be Daytona. <laughs> they they nearly turned Watkins Glen into Daytona. <laughs> like, that was some. There was I can't believe they restarted that race with oil on the track and it, just a bad. That was gnarly. Bad look. <laughs> that was not good. Oh, so frustrating. Yeah. Um. And then the cup race is Saturday evening under the lights at Daytona. I believe this is the first time the next-gen car is going to be in a Saturday night race at Daytona. Whatever the heck that means. I don't know if they're all going to race the same. doesn't really matter. And then the truck race, for those of you that are interested, is Sunday afternoon at the Milwaukee Mile. I don't, I, I don't know what they did this week. It's a little weird. Um, so yeah, so the playbook, I'll have the cup playbook out probably Friday because qualifying doesn't matter, really. I mean, it really doesn't, to be perfectly honest. Well, I'd say qualifying matters a little bit. A little bit, I guess, to help you figure out who you want to avoid, I guess. Well, I think we say it all the time, but it's it's good to understand... The lineup theory that should go into your construction. There you go. Um, but at the same time, like we can say that dominator points don't matter. It's nice to get them, but if you have a guy that leads 40 laps and he wrecks, those dominator points are for nothing. Uh, Correct. So you don't want to start too many guys in the top 10, one, maybe two. Really, the, the bread and butter of winning a DFS tournament is going to be nailing the right guys that start in the teens that can move up and finish top five or potentially win. And then you're going to have those people that just play the back mark or not the back markers, I shouldn't say that. Um, the stack the back crowd. Stack the back crowd in cash games. Like, literally, you're just playing the last six drivers. Um, and just rooting for <clears throat> chaos and that your drivers avoid it. Yeah, pretty That's, much. I mean, last year in this race, Austin Dillon won starting 21st. Tyler Reddick started sixth and finished second. He was the only guy to start inside the top 10 and finish inside the top 12. Dear Lord. You had Sindrick starting 14th, finished third, then 35th, 37th, 33rd, 36th, 
Then 13th finished 8th. That was Truex. 34th was David Reagan, who finished 9th. 22nd was Kyle Busch, who finished 10th. The next highest starting spot was Joey Logano, who finished 3rd and finished 12th. This was the race that ruined top 10 parlays for everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, the uh, the million-dollar winner. Yeah, FanDuel let some idiot – well, not some idiot. They were the idiots. Um, parlay top 10 odds at Daytona. And so they parlayed um, Landon Castle, Cody Ware, B.J. McLeod, David Reagan, <laughs> and Noah Graxon into a million dollars. Credit to that guy. Most uh, on a free bet. Yeah. A free, so, like, what, $13.91 bet? Something like that. It was yeah. atrociously small and one of a million bucks. Um, yeah, so chaos chaos reigns supreme here. Um, anything, literally anything can happen. The pole sitter finished dead last. Kyle Larson went from uh, being on the pole, didn't lead any laps, and after 14 laps, his engine blew up and he finished dead last. Historically, just not a good super speedway racer. No. <laughs> and yet nope. his his roster ship is still juiced to almost 15 to 20% every slate. Yep. Because it's Kyle absurd. Larson and anything can happen, theoretically. So let me ask you this. Uh, what are you doing, let's say, because they haven't done tech yet for Cup Series, right, as of Thursday night. They did it for Xfinity. As far as I'm aware, they have not yet. Kyle Larson, by the way, in the last eight plate races, which includes now Atlanta, his average starting position is 3.3. His average finish position is 25th. Yeah, just goes backwards. Not good. Um, so what are you doing if a driver like Chase Elliott, who does need to win, what do, you, what do you do if he fails tech three times or just has a terrible qualifying effort and he starts outside the top 30? I don't are you the kind of, Well... <laughs> There's two ways that you can go because simply just matching the field in terms of ownership or rostership, whatever you want to call it, it's not the best strategy. Would you rather just go all in and put him in every lineup for double the leverage on the field? Because you have to assume he's probably going to be 40 to 50% rostered. Or do you just completely fade him and go zero to 20% exposure? In cash games, I'm probably going all in. Sure. But tournaments, I'd probably go the other way and just leave In tournaments, I'd go the other way. Yeah. yeah. I'd want not as little as I can get away with, but certainly be under. I mean, and here's the other thing to remember, folks. I know it's been a little bit since we've had a play track. Salaries don't matter. Right. They're like the points in whose line is in anyway. <clears throat> They're all made up and they don't matter because you're going to have a boatload of money left over. Now, I've seen the tweets that come out. Every one of these tracks, there's like, well, traditionally, if you spend about 47500 bucks, you get the optimal lineup. Okay. But, like, not necessarily. Like, yeah, that race, okay. But show me the next one, and you're going to see $10,000 left on the table. Right? Um, and j- just as an idea of this, there's only two drivers over 10K on, on DK this week. Odd. I didn't even notice that. Denny and Chase are the only two dudes over ten thousand on DK. Blaney's ninety nine hundred. And by the way, I think they're baiting people by putting Larson at ninety two hundred dollars. 
think they're baiting people into a play. Probably. And let people bite it. Like, go for it. Yeah, I'm not. <clears throat> I was joking with, with Dan that I was going to write a 37 driver playbook this week. I, I'm, I'm going to amend that. I'm going to write 36, and Larson's going to be the only dude who's not in the playbook. You could make an argument for so many drivers priced under, arguably all the drivers priced yeah. under 6K. <laughs> I mean, that's the – Because equipment doesn't matter either. Like, even even right. the guys that are in the worst equipment, like, it doesn't matter this week. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. It's Because everybody has the same package on the car, so that's why – Everybody winds up doing basically exactly the same speeds. So, you know, that, am I saying that the, the playbook doesn't matter this week? No. Of course, I'm not telling you to not read my content. What I'm saying is if there's a guy you want to play and he's not in the playbook, take a shot. This is the week to do it because it's literally a crap. I mean, Mail and I watched it happen in front of our faces. We were sitting pretty and then Larson caught fire and took out three quarters of the field, and that was the end of the day. So, um, I mean, I'll have a normal-sized playbook this week with guys I feel confident enough in to play because they've backed it up continuously at road court, er, plate tracks. <clears throat> Doesn't mean other guys can't show up out of nowhere and have a good day. Yeah, I mean, we talk about – like a guy like Daniel Suarez jumps off the page uh, right. because historically prior to 2021 was not a great super speedway racer. Correct. Um, but then, you know, all of a sudden we get the next gen car, we get him on a new team and he's coming in and his, his exposure levels are never severely high, but you know, for the Daytona 500 this year, he starts 24th, finishes seventh uh, for the Geico 500 at Talladega started 22nd, finished ninth. And so all of a sudden he is turning into this very underrated uh, and a guy that no one really likes to consider when building their lineups, but he's a guy and a driver with top 10 equity that probably needs a win, right? Yes, he does need a win. He is below the cut line. He is, uh, if I remember correctly, directly below uh, Ty Gibbs. I think he's about 45 points below the cut line. Um, And, Sure, they would, you know, they would love to get him back into the playoffs after last year's showing. And he's got three straight top 10 finishes between Daytona and Talladega. So, and his teammate, Ross Chastain, won Talladega last year. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. They know how to put together some fast cars over there at Trackhouse. Um, and like I said, nobody really pays attention to that guy on, on play tracks. Um, now we talk about. You know, team stacking is a thing, but you're also a big proponent for manufacturing stack, manufacturer stacking as well. Yes. Um, if you were to do 20 lineups, how many of those builds would be full-on forward stacks? Because we talk all the time when we come to tracks like this about how the aerodynamics of the forward cars kind of help them in the draft and being able to push you know their way to the front. Um and, and when you look at the Ford camp, there are plenty of guys that can go out and potentially surprise and win this race. Um, I do love the idea of, you know, pairing Austin Sindrick with someone like Joey Logano or Ryan Blaney. Uh, and then you can do some SHR stacks too, because Eric Almarola at 6,900, nice, uh, has yeah, the ability right, to right, win. Right. 
Well, yeah, he's the nice player this week. But then you got you like the field is so heavy with four drivers that it's so easy to make Ford stacks and do the do the right thing. Like you can get guys starting in the back and guys starting with up closer to the front with win equity. You can leave money on the table. You know, four stacks will be popular. It's probably harder to do a full Toyota stack since there's only going to be like six of them in the field. Yes. Um, but Ford I'm stacks sure you can fit all of them in one lineup. <clears throat> well, I'm gonna try. I'm I'm doing the exact same <laughs> thing right now. Uh, Denny, Bubba, Truex, uh, Bell. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't do it. I gotta put in. Well, what's the point in playing now if I can't play the Toyotas? I know I can't get <laughs> I, can't, I can't get Ty Gibbs. I'm eleven hundred dollars shy of getting Ty Gibbs. But I mean, like we do well, talk about. I, do, like, I mean, in fairness, it still does give me uh, Haley or Barry or Todd Gilliland or Harrison Burton. And we know Haley can win here. We know LaJoy is good on. Super yeah, you Super and I Star. literally saw him win here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, LaJoy is really good, and I can't. I'm a hundred dollars short, which is annoying. Um, I will be doing full stacks manufacturers. Uh, not with Toyota, clearly, as we just proved, you can't pull it off. <laughs> also, there's only six of them in the field, so you're kind of that's really hedging your bet. Um, that being said, the last two winners of at Daytona have been Chevys. Stenhouse in a Chevy in the 500, and Austin yeah, Dillon in a Chevy. Now, prior Kyle to that, Bush won was, Talladega. what? And Kyle Busch won Talladega, right? But also in a Chevy now. Um, Prior to that, you had three straight Fords in, at Daytona with Sindrick winning the Daytona 500, Blaney winning the Coke 400, Michael McDowell famously winning the uh, Daytona 500. So, you know, it, it's been mostly – it's been pretty even between the Chevys and the Fords here in terms of win equity. In terms of who I feel like moves up better, I think the Ford camp is just better at at plate racing. Now, do they have guys that also like to wreck each other out? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, Joey Logano comes to mind. Um, but, yeah, I, I if I'm doing – you asked 20 lineups. If I'm doing 20 lineups, I would say probably half of them are just a smattering of dudes. I don't care about manufacturers. I'm playing – guys that I like paired together, I'll go with the normal strategy of, you know, one top 10 guy, one guy starting 11th through 20th and the rest of them like 25th on back, right? I'll go a couple of those, stack the back and forget it, right? We'll romp appeal it. We'll just set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. um, the other ones, I'm going to break those in half between like Chevy stacks with a little bit of Toyotas mixed in and Ford stacks with a little bit of Toyotas mixed in. And that's how I do it. So how do you see this race playing out? Do you think it'll be relatively tame for the first two stages, which is unfortunate because I don't think so. If it really, because I think it, I don't think we're going to see like people or drivers making moves until like late in stage three. I don't really think that too many of these drivers are going to be aggressive in the early stages trying to get to the front when they know it doesn't really matter until the, like they cross the line on the final lap. 
I think the I think <clears throat> the less experienced guys who are like, well, hey, I'm not top thirty in points, but I've been a full time driver, and if I get a win, I make the playoffs. I think they're going to try some moves. It's like Ty Dillon. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think I think some other guys who are more disciplined. Um, will play out their strategy. And by the way, those of you that play Denny Hamlin, don't freak out. He's going to drop to the back. He does it all the time here. Does it all. I've literally watched the dude win the poll, like smoke people for the poll, and then three laps in, he's like, peace out. <laughs> going backwards and just rides around for like 150 laps in the back of the pack. And then all of a sudden, he's back in the top five and you have no idea where he came from. Um, he technically won one of these races from the pole while never spending any time on the pole. At <laughs> he led the last lap of the him. race. The guy, the guy gets it. Like he knows the system. Just yeah. explore it. Yep. Um, I, I think it's going to be crazy from start to finish. I, I think that's probably where we. They're under the worry. lights, and the lights do something to NASCAR drivers that just make them more amped and more. <laughs> You could say that about like casual drivers. Just like, on the I highway. mean, yeah, but think about the Bristol <laughs> night race. It's way, I mean, now it's harder to compare because it's the first Bristol race is on dirt. But like, mm -hmm. if you back to when we had the actual Bristol spring race and then the Bristol night race in the fall, Bristol night race is way more amped up. Same with Martinsville. Now, the second Martinsville race is, you know, fighting for the championship, but yeah. uh, lights tend to jack up these guys and I, I would be willing to bet you that the Coke, that this race is nuts from start to finish. All right. Any uh, final white flag thoughts before we go? Um, I know we don't really <clears throat> hit on too many drivers specifically, but we try to give like, try to cast, I guess, a wide net. Yeah. For DFS purposes, because we do the Super Speedway podcast before we even know the starting order. But obviously, you know, your playbook will be vital. And, you know, you and I will be in the NASCAR DFS Discord answering questions up until lineup lock on Saturday. Um, do you have any final thoughts on, you know, what to expect? or just... Don't check money until the checkered flag goes. That's, that's a good point, yeah. Literally, don't. Like, I went from winning $0 going into turn three of the final lap of the Daytona 500 in 2021 to winning $2,500 by the end of the race literally a half mile later. And you hit McDowell to win that bet, too. Yeah, 66 to 1. Um, so don't, don't check lineups. Please don't send... Hold, because like by the time you're typing <laughs> it's that, it's matter. not going to be, it's not going to be holding. So that would be it. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this Saturday night for the final race of the regular season, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? 
Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.